Hey everyone, it's your host Sam. Thank you for listening to another episode of Everything in Me. Super excited to be chatting with you guys again. I'm having an, another one of those Carpe Diem moments, guys, where I'm trying to seize this time that I have. Um, I have a little bit of freedom and just make sure that I'm getting these podcasts out to you every Friday, as promised. Definitely trying to get back on that bandwagon. Um, something that's been coming up more recently for me and kind of been showing itself in different ways, honey, is the ways or the times, the, the, the memories, the feelings, the outcomes of me being abandoned as a kid. Um, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of us have experienced this um, now that we're older or just as we're, we've been growing up, we've kind of noticed these different things where people didn't show up for us. So just to be clear what I mean by abandonment, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, in the literal sense, it can be, be um, basically that, for instance, times where, you know, your needs didn't matter and it wasn't made clear that they mattered or you even existed. And, you know, your parents or your guide guiders, whoever they may be, they didn't um, see it as a priority. They didn't show up for you, um, whether it be to your events, um, initiatives that you were doing, um, you as a kid, putting your priorities in need to be first. Um, they weren't nurturing enough for you when you needed it most, you know, whether it be for your sporting events or your, you know, your matches or um, life events that occurred in your life, you know, birthdays, you know, you were definitely, um, I wouldn't say neglected, but I mean, for some people it can be as extreme as that is really neglected. Like you just didn't matter. You didn't. You didn't change anything that was going on in their day-to-days. It was kind of like your life and then their life. It wasn't a merger. Um, and in different ways, you you self-soothe. You find ways to cope. You find ways to deal with it, to process it, to try to understand it, to come to terms with it, to really be able to um, deal with it in a sometimes in a positive way, but sometimes not in a great way. Um, you may pick up habits that you learn because you don't recognize how valuable it is for someone to cheer you on, to support you, to be there, to encourage you, to remember, you know, the, 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 the celebrations you have coming up or the achievements that you're, you're going through or the goals that you've set for yourself and to support you in that light. And so you find ways to, um, diminish someone else's achievement or you kind of ignore their achievements or don't make it a, a big point um, to celebrate it or acknowledge it or show up for it because you don't understand that value. You don't understand what that means for that person. Um, for me personally, um, I think there's a lot of things contributing to why I was quote unquote abandoned a lot of my childhood. And I had to do a lot of like internal, like, I don't know, growing up if you will. Um, one of those things being, I think the biggest thing as I kind of look back and from my perspective is that my mom had me, um, when she was in her forties and, um, her early forties. And so at that time she actually has acknowledged that she was not expecting to have any kids at that point because the doctor said she wasn't able to, um, and so in her mind, she kind of just said, let that go. That's not an option, you know, whatever, whatever. Now I came along and 
there, let me explain a little bit more behind this. Me and my sister, my older sister have an 18 year gap. Um, so she had two sets of kids. She had, she had kids prior to me, uh, my older siblings, and then she had me and my younger brother and there was an 18 year gap. So that's a pretty big gap to not have to worry about raising a child. Um, my brother and I were, were in a household with my father and my father also had a um, set of two kids. So I have two siblings um, from his side as well. And they're older um, as well too. That not necessarily 18 years, maybe like 15, but still. Um, so there was um, a time period when I was the only kid around. And so not having the environment that um, really I felt like welcomed or was enthusiastic or overjoyed about having a kid and creating an environment that was kid friendly or kid centric um, was very obvious. <laughs> I felt um, the love or the attention that I got was actually from my sister and my brother and my siblings, their their friends, their extended family. Um, you know, those those individuals are the ones that really, really, you know, were excited because here I am, this young little kid who they can talk to, play with, hang out with, you know co-parent with, if you will. Um, but my mom, she was like distant. She had kind of already settled in her life and, um, a lot of it didn't lend itself to raising a child. And I find that in my, you know, in my efforts to parent or, you know, to help with my God kids or, you know, my friends, kids and things like that. Um, I'm very hands-on, very, very hands-on. I'm actually the opposite of what she she showed me. And not only just as a kid. Now, I want to be clear. This is like something that I've experienced throughout my entire life with her. Um, I don't, I can't speak on my siblings. Um, I don't, I can't speak on, although they have acknowledged, you know, moments and times in which she didn't show up for them as well too. But for me personally, um, there was a huge, huge chunk of my life where I don't recall her making the effort to value the things that, you know, were important to me or were life events that were going on at that specific time. Now, I don't want to diminish her as a mother because I felt like, you know, she had her own things that she was going through dealing with, you know, alcohol and things like that. And so there was a lot of like, I don't know, just lack of awareness and just lack of like understanding of how important that was. Um, I really can't tell you, even on the most like vocal out of my siblings, what exactly she feels like in her mind, she, I can hear her saying, I did my best. And, you know, when you, it, it feels like when you come to that, that conclusion, it's like, that's the definitive part of it all. Like I did my best. What else could you expect? What I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't change anything else. I really wouldn't. I did everything that I possibly could. And for her, I think that allows her to sleep at night. Um, but for me, as a child of hers, um, there's a lot of different times in which I feel that um, I struggle mostly with people um, showing up for me, being able to value me, um, see that, you know, what I bring to the table or who I am or the effort that I put into um, develop a relationship with them and, and show them that I care about them. All of those things. Like, I feel like, you know, sometimes I get 
take it for granted because they don't understand how, like where my motives are, where my head is at, where, where the effort that I put in comes from. Um, you know, I, when I love, I love really hard and I go all the way in because I feel like I don't want, I never wanted that half-ass love or I never wanted that kind of like here, here and there kind of love. So, you know, there, there's a lot of me investing myself into other people. And I think as I started my, um, life coaching journey, a lot of it initially was very early stage for me was a lot of investment into people. And, um, it was very exhausting for me to be involved and intertwined and attracted to certain people because of how detrimental, how their energies just really sucked out of you. And I wasn't able to see it as that way. I saw it as like, oh, I'm just being the best version of me to them. Like, why would I give them a half-ass version or, you know, put up boundaries or neglect certain things? Like, I just want to be the greatest thing ever to them because they deserve that. And everybody deserves that. But that was really me showing up for me versus like me taking into consideration who they were and what they were giving me. And, you know, I'll talk about not necessarily ending friendships, but the other, you know, having to break off friendships or putting up those boundaries that I've had to do throughout the years to be able to um, deal with people who have taken my kindness for granted in its simplest form. Um, and how I've had to just rearrange everything so that way I can still thrive and I'm not being drawn down by, you know, relationships or, um, acquaintances who have really, really just, just, you know, taken everything and ran with it and just didn't care. Um, because that's just, that's the, that's the thing that they were craving. That's the thing that they needed. Um, but the abandonment that I face runs pretty deep. And it's been showing itself a lot lately. Um, I've had moments where, for instance, when it's from the direct source, my mom, um, where I recall moving into a new space and she, I asked her to come by, come, you know, come check it out. Um, She was just like, no, like, no, like that's the kind of abandonment I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, there's, she doesn't feel like to give you a reason to smooth it over, to try to make you feel like there's hope. Just no. And some may say, okay, so, so what, who cares? Listen, I cried after that because I, you know, we're talking about years of like her doing this and me putting up those boundaries. And some people don't understand it. Some people really don't understand how important it is to claim your peace back, especially from you know, parentals or guidance, you know, anyone who's guiding you or anyone who's close to you, whomever, um, they don't recognize how um, crucial it is to your growth and your healing and your peace to really just say, "Mm, no, I don't care if it's a birthday party. I don't care if it's an environment where there's family involved and people feel like you have to engage with this person or you have to acknowledge this person, you know, for you and what it does to your mental health after the fact, those people can't deal with those, you know, emotions. They can't pick you off the floor. They can't carry your day on. They can't do those things for you. So it's very important to, um, you know, put up those barriers where you need to and allow people to become in when, when, you know, they do, you know, I talked about my last episode vulnerability and, you know, in order to feel abandoned, in my opinion, you have to be vulnerable. You have to feel as though, um, their presence matters. It makes a difference. It 
It's something you're looking forward to. It's something that you care about. And for me, I found that, you know, the expectations that I put on her allowed her to get away with murder sometimes or to rub me in that way. I mean, that's a whole nother thing of just expectations of our parental, um, you know, individuals, the people who have raised us. There's an expectation that they are supposed to be loving and caring and nurturing and, um, you know, supportive and encouraging and communicative and understanding and all of these sort sort of things. And the reality is a lot of these people um, come with their own baggage. They come with their own things and they're not able to unpack them because life events have happened that have forced them into life and they haven't had a second to just be still and just see what is actually going on so they can adjust and they can assess and they can, you know, jump in. So, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a whirlwind. I've come to terms with, and I have moments where I, you know, I digress um, with her upbringing and just not having education, not having the best relationship with her mother, resentment towards her dad, how her in parenting, you know, they don't really blend too well. I think she would have been a great aunt um, ish, but a mother is really, really, really challenging, you know, to take on that responsibility. Um, she's very independent in as nature and I, I am as well too, but um, you know, it's the difference between independent and just blatantly like, I don't need anyone and anything and anybody because I got this, you know, even to my kids, you know, I have a different vision of what it is to be a mom and what it is to be a parent, a light for someone, a mentor, a friend, all of those sort of things. And as I started to detach from her methodology and the way she did things and started to absorb other people's um, ide- you know, ideals of that, I was able to kind of break free and have my own thoughts and have my own way of doing things because I found that the way that I had, had adopted what she had given me was so like, it was trash. It was really trash. Like it was really inconsiderate, just really like negative. Just, just, I just, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I found that it was just completely out of pocket. Like you just, you can't operate like that 24 seven. Like that's just, that's low. That's really low. So I had to be careful and I had to just, I don't know. I had to, I had to reassess some things, but back to that experience, which happened to me actually last year. And I remember this and I was like, it almost felt like me being a kid again, where I was, you know, sticking out my hand for her to grab it and say, you know, yeah, of course I'll come by, see your new place, what you've been able to do with your, you know, your achievements and where your life is right now. Um, but she gave me the same response she always does, of, you know, or not always, but nine times out of 10 does, um, was no. And it was just very easy, very like not doing it. And I had to swallow that. I had to take that. And I just remember crying because I, it was, I went back to being a kid and I think that's another bubble up. So, you know, another trigger, another moment in which it came up for me again, where I was like, oh my gosh, like here she is at this age, still rubbing me that way. And it reinforced why I have the boundaries towards her and why I explore my abandonment issues. Because in relationships, these things come up, oh my goodness, all the time. I don't think people recognize how much of a like uphill battle it can be when you're blending someone with someone else who has their own childhood, you know, issues, whether it be with parents, whether it be, um, 
with, you know, mis misfortune, grief, you know, just unforeseen circumstances, lack of communication within the family dynamic, secrets being kept within the family, family dynamic, you know, um, their voice not being heard. There's so many different reasons and ways that these things show up and people don't recognize how detrimental it can be, especially when, you know, people say like communication is the key when it comes to relationship, but how to communicate, how to understand, how to be empathetic, how to have the, the tools or the, um, the values, the life skills to be able to effectively communicate is the hardest part that, oh my gosh, that part just, it stresses me out just to think about blending that whole like nature. Like how can we of two different backgrounds be able to come together, not trigger one another, not, um, you know, you know, um, throw dirt on one another, encourage one another, like encouraging words is great, but there's also other things that are behind those encouraging words. There's different mannerisms or habits and things like that, that come up in a relationship that lends itself to, to potentially be a trigger. And sometimes we don't know our triggers until we've been triggered. And, you know, in relationships, that's definitely happened to me where I think me now, looking back at just everything, there was a lot of um, friction in a lot of my relationships um, because of the fact that I was dealing with triggers. I was dealing with parts of me that I was still working through and I didn't know how to explain that. I didn't know how to get in touch with that part and how it related to me growing up or how it related to me viewing the world. And so I wasn't able to navigate that whole experience effectively because I just didn't have the insight that I have now. And knowing that abandonment is such a big part of who I am, I'm such a big like show up person. Like I will show up for you. I will root for you. I will support you. I will find ways to acknowledge you, to make you feel celebrated. Part of it is because of me, because obviously I didn't have that from her. I didn't have that from my, definitely didn't have that from my dad. You know, y'all, I usually talk about my mom because she was, she was the most present and that's the honest. She was the most present. I lived with her. She was always there, physically there. Um, she doesn't, that doesn't mean that she showed up to birthday parties. I mean, I've gone to birthday parties where she just wasn't there. I got dropped off. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're no, you know, um, and then there's a sibling situation where my younger brother would definitely have a lot more, um, attention, um, when it came to holidays or life achievements and things like that, there was a lot of pity dealing with him and just his upbringing in general versus me. And I don't know if some of you guys have experienced this when you have like siblings or just even if you're an only child where your parent is kind of um, diagnosed you, if you will, as being the most competent, the most figure it out person in the family or in the dynamic. And so at the end of the day, no matter what you go through, you're going to be triumphant. They realize you're resilient. They realize that you can go through hell and high water and you'll still make it out, quote unquote, okay. Um, you'll be able to navigate things effectively. You you won't um, become the problem child. You'll find ways to persevere. You're you know you're that person. Like you'll get through it no matter what it may be. Um, and so because of that, you know they kind of lend it. It just it kind of just 
they neglect you. Like they, they're like, okay, well, you know, he's the one who didn't get enough blood to his brain. So for the rest of his life, I'm going to always treat him like he's a fragile child and I'm always going to make exceptions. And I'm saying him because I'm referring to my brother, but you know, whoever it may be, um, for those of you who've had that experience, I feel you I'm on the other side. Um, and you know, seeing that, viewing that, that for instance, um, that guardian has that range, meaning, you know, for a fact, you have expectations of a person, of your parents, whoever raised you, and they don't meet those expectations. And you're like, oh, this sucks. But then you realize these same, they do, they actually do reach those expectations. It's just not with me. So that's like a double whammy. That's like a like double slap in the face. Because here you are thinking like, maybe I need to just rearrange how I feel about certain things and I need to let them be who they are and not try to change them. And then you realize, oh snap, it's not them. It's me. I'm the one who's not getting the memo that that is not an option for me. That's not something I should be looking forward to because that's not happening, honey. I don't care what the time of day, what it is, what it, it doesn't even matter. So when you're able to get a glimpse, a taste of what it is, what it means for someone to show up for you or them to show up for you, you're overjoyed and you're, you're on edge. You're literally on edge. You're literally like, I can't believe this is even happening. When is it going to end? Because I'm afraid that this isn't going to be forever. Now, the scary part is, is then you grow up as an adult and then you have things like self-worth, self-esteem, you know, the way you view yourself, the, your value, the things that you go, you know, you go through and you stuff like that. And I think a lot of my life, I wouldn't say a lot, but there has been times in my life where I undervalued myself and I wasn't vocal about it. I, I was in situations that I know good and well, I shouldn't have been in. I just let it be because I felt like, not that I deserved it, but more like, you know, I'm not okay with everything that's happening here, but, you know, I'm hopeful that it will turn into something that I'm okay with, like almost delusional, like literally delusional. Like what other outcome could have that been? Could have, could have that been, um, why, why would you think that something else would come from that? You know, where you're just in situations that you know you shouldn't be in, or you feel like you learn, you know, halfway through it, like, oh, stop, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I shouldn't be here. But it's the pieces of you that, you know, are not whole, that are broken, that drive you there. Because a lot of it, they're in search of um, a different outcome, in search of love, in search of acknowledgement, in search of, you know, opportunity to rewrite your history, rewrite your future. And you have to, you know, be really good at assessing the environment in order to be able to not throw salt on that wound. And I think that, you know, luckily I, I wasn't in a place where I put more salt on the wound, but I definitely had missteps where I was in search of something or I was participating in something that wasn't going to serve me because I was really hoping for like a plot twist um, where that person was going to, you know, see my brokenness and try to help put me back together. Or they were going to try to, you know, make me feel better about it or soothe me over or find different ways to maybe forget about it. Um, 
but they didn't. <laughs> they didn't always do that. Um, I think as you start to uncover your abandonment through the parental guidance that you had or didn't have, it's very important to have a dream team. You know, I don't ever want to have anyone listening feel like, you know what, you were dealt really crappy cards and that's just, that's what it is. No, I feel like there can be a positive outcome out of any situation. And so what's really important and what I would highly, highly recommend in this, in this instance is you want to definitely get some therapy. You definitely want to have some aha moments. You want to put yourself in a place where you can explore um, the misfortune that you had to deal with for the, for the fact that you need to know what you don't know. And once you can understand and have more range as to why you may lean towards certain things or participate in certain things that are not serving to you, it helps you avoid those things. It helps you forgive yourself. It helps you come to terms with yourself for the things that you can't control. Um, it helps you hopefully give some sort of forgiveness towards them. Um, you know, forgiving my mom is is a very it's a it's a big undertaking. Um, my dad, I think because of just him being so absent in general, I don't know if I can necessarily forgive that. Um in a sense that like, I don't know, I'm always going to be faced with the void, always going to be faced with the void. Um, he just didn't make an impact large enough for me to value or recognize the relationship. And so with it being, or having such like a lack of connection, because that's another thing too, you can, someone can be physically there, um, meaning like, you know, keeping the household together or, um, you know, taking to and from school, et cetera, et cetera. But you not actually having a connection with that individual, um, is another part of abandonment as well too, because for instance, in my culture, at least from my dad's side, you know, he was very big on, and I believe my mom, the same kind of methodology too, uh, making sure there was clothes. I always had clothes. I always had shoes. I always had food. I always had a roof over my head. I always, um, you know, had a, a clean place to sleep in that those like essentials, as far as like, you know, those, those, those parts were always taken care of. That's something I, thankfully I never had to complain about. Um, I never had to struggle without, I always had light, I always had power, lived in a really great neighborhood, um, middle-class, you know, really, really like they made sure that I did not grow up the way that they did. And that's a blessing. And I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, but I felt like, you know, for certain generations, there's only so far they can take you um, because they carry the weight of so many generations before them. And as they start to find their way and figure out what this world consists of and what it looks like and what, it, you know, what's going on, they don't always get a second to think of others or just, I don't know, think of themselves also as a kid and what they needed. Um, sometimes some, some of them do. I don't want to, you know, just segment everyone in the world, but um, sometimes when you're, you have such a survivor mentality and you've been through so much things in life, it's very hard for you to take a, to back, a backseat to life and just kind of allow it to hit you again, where you can 
navigate and, and learn a lot of the things that you were not given. Yeah. So as you're kind of unpacking everything and just exploring that, I think it's very important to be in a safe, safe place or with someone, you know, where you felt, you feel safe, um, you feel comfortable, you feel like you can be vulnerable, you can be even at your lowest point. There are certain things that I know for a fact that I blocked out in my life um, that are just kind of like, what in the world? Like, I want to paint a, a bit of a picture because I think everybody's experience with this is a little bit different. Now, when me growing up, everyone kind of have has gotten to know my my mom again, dealing with her again. My dad, let me paint the picture of just what I was kind of walking through or what you would kind of expect on a daily basis. Um, you know, um, so there's my mom and my dad. So when the, the era in which they were together, which was majority of my life, um, or a majority of my childhood to be more specific, um, my dad would work pretty late. He would probably be at work, um, by 7am and he would, or 7.30 or so. And then he wouldn't come home till like seven, eight o'clock at night. So this was, I wouldn't say a lot of it was by choice, to be honest with you, because he ran his own business. So he got to be able to set certain, um, you know, he was able to, to mix up his days, but we wouldn't see him. He wouldn't call. He wouldn't, um, make it a point to come home early to spend quality time or to, um, spend time with us. And side note, I think a really great, um, just a little activity that you can do and probably can do, you know, at different points in your life would have to be the, um, five love languages test that you can find out. So, um, if you just Google five love languages test, you can figure it out. You can find a link for it. I've done it before and it's, it's super enlightening. It basically gives you the five attributes in, in order in which you kind of have a more of a void at the top. So for me, it's quality time and I'm painting the picture as to why that's the case. Um, I have another, I don't remember what I have two that are kind of like at the top, but you get a score at the end and it, it details in each of those categories, what that actually means, what that means to you, et cetera, et cetera. So it may be very valuable. There's quality time, gifts, um, words of affirmation, um, there's something else. There's obviously two more. I, I cannot for the life of me remember what they are, but it's very beneficial if you want to just start to get your feet wet in something like this. So, you know, my dad gone most of the time. Um, he never made the effort to, you know, be there for us. And if he was, it was kind of like a backup backup. Like he would take us to school if he had to, had to, didn't pick me up from school like that. Mm-mm. I don't recall ever that happening. Um, what else? When he was home, it was usually food that was prepared by my mom and it was already ready for him. And he would come, he would come home, you know, we're happy to see him. Hey, how are you? Before we go to sleep, we didn't necessarily have a bedtime, like, you know, it's time to go to sleep kind of life, but not necessarily a bedtime. Um, come home, shower, eat. And during those times, I would usually be around him because I always like, hey, finally get to see you today. My brother, not so much now that I kind of reflect on that and just walk that through with you guys. Um, So, you know, and it was time for me to go to sleep. It was time for him to go to sleep. 
it was the end of the day. Every now and then I would see him like, um, you know, doing his accounting or watching, um, a fight on, you know, TV. Um, but he didn't really have a, um, outstanding role when it came into my life. Um, there were occasions where he was off on Sundays because Saturdays he still worked and he would, um, sometimes take us out to dinner or take us to Bayside, which is like a, a, a boardwalk or, you know, marketplace, you know, where we could eat and just walk around and kind of see the city a little bit. Um, he would take us occasionally to events and stuff like that, but never really anything that like huge. Um, he wasn't going outside playing ball with us or swimming in the pool with us or anything like that. He was, you know, sleeping, watching TV in his own world, you know, and if you wanted to participate, you had to come over. Um, yeah. And that was the majority, um, of his involvement. And when my mom and him split, um, due to him being, you know, have being in, due to infidelity, um, he was not picking us up. He was not looking for us. He wasn't calling to speak to us. He didn't make an effort. And so there was a big gap in which he didn't exist because I didn't have an, a car, um, to have access to him. Actually I did at the time. I did at the time. Um, it, it we didn't, I didn't think to make the effort. It wasn't until later, which I talk about in my other episode about my father and I's relationship where I decided to say, okay, let me extend, you know, the olive, olive branch and see what he's about or what he has going on. Um, and building a relationship. And even now there's still a void. I mean, he's still not active in my life enough for me. Like it doesn't make a dent, you know, enough. Um, I do know him a little better where I know where he comes from, what he's been through, um, what it looked like for him, what, um, you know, some things that he struggles with because of the conversations that we've had. And I've been able to navigate because I've kind of, I don't know, just learned and sought out certain questions that allow him to give me the information I need, um, almost interview him these past couple of years. So I've been able to kind of know the man a little bit better and what his background is and why there's such a void. And also tell him of how you left me hanging, honey. You left me hanging. I have not gone in complete depths. I tailored it towards, no, I, I not complete depths, but I've definitely hit you know, hit it on the head enough for him to understand. But, um, there's that with him. Now with my mom, she's always been there, always been there. Meaning she's been the one to either pick us up, drop us off, um, cook food, um, you know, um, that sort of stuff. Um, as far as like teaching me certain things, you know, she has made the effort in doing so like how to sew, um, I don't really recall who taught us how to swim, but we, we definitely had a pool, um, how to, to do things that she liked, which was sewing, um, <laughs> gardening, you know, pruning the trees and, you know, fertilizing and landscaping, um, things that she was familiar with or comfortable with cooking, things like that outside of the spectrum, you know, learning new things with me or attempting things that she hadn't done in a while. No. Um, you know, setting aside or, or telling me her values, there have been moments of that, but her day to day would be like, if she picked us up, um, she would, you know, pick us up. Sometimes she would pick us up, you know, get food or, you know, go home, have food situated and go outside, 
Now, I want to be very clear that, you know, although she was present, we didn't really have that big of a connection, um, a relationship built um, between us where I felt like, that's mommy. No, (laughs) no. Um, We, I think very early on, I, I, there was a, a distance that was grown between us because of just how she handled things. Very aggressive, very bitter, very angry, very um, unpredictable. Like there was really no rhyme or reason how she was going to react, what she was going to do. I mean, there were times that she just completely like, she, she would just turn on. So back in the day when you had house phones, um, you would turn on the phone and basically block the line. So nobody could call. I mean, you wouldn't get, a, you, nothing was ringing. Okay. And you, it wasn't like, oh, oh, I had five missed calls. There was no missed calls because the, the line is open. So there's no, you can't even get in touch. I remember like moments where she would just block out the world and it could have been, you know, depressive states. It could have been just fear. It could have been so many different things. Um, but yeah, she would turn on the phone. She would put it underneath the bed and watch TV and be like, oh, well, I don't want to be bothered. Um, she would do her alcoholism. I would catch her outside in the patio crying over events that happened in her life, things that she just felt like she wished had happened different, differently, things that she wasn't happy with, things that she had, hadn't really gone through or dealt with in a while, things that just kind of hit her, you know? And so that codependency with alcoholism was definitely there. And like I said, like she was outside, I mean, if she was home, it was like 90% of the time. I mean, she would get up, get dressed, be outside and she would be outside. And by outside, I mean like in our patio, like we always had a patio. She would be outside drinking her beer, smoking her cigarette all day. She would be outside, you know, cleaning, organizing, doing God knows what all day. If you want to find her, she was outside. She has lost like house phones in the yard before because she's been outside that long. Um, and just, that's just, that was, that's, that was her outlet in a a different way as well too. And that's how she was able to coexist in the life. And, you know, my mom, my brother, my father not being there, her and him didn't have, um, a relationship that I would ever mimic, um, or found value in because of their just, it was a lack of connection. Like in so many different ways, I didn't get to really see what their love or if it was love looked like. And so that lends itself to a lot of exploring of like, what is love? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Uh, Which I definitely have experienced in my lifetime so far. Um, But, you know, she wasn't, she wouldn't come inside. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, where I'm like, I love me some AC. I'm not hanging out outside. She was like, I'm completely fine. Just put this fan on. And we sitting out here 90 degree, 100. Yeah, I don't care. I'm just going to drink my beer. It's hot. It's fine. I'll be outside, but I'm not going to be inside the AC. Very rarely did she come inside and was inside the house. If she was in the house, she was cleaning, she was cooking, she was doing something, fixing something or looking for something or in the process of getting something done, moving around furniture or whatever. But it wasn't like because she just genuinely wanted to be in that environment. And so it definitely made things, I don't know, it just made things lonely, you know, lonely and, and sparse. And like, I don't know, it just was very, very uncomfortable to be in because that's not, it's definitely not something I wanted. I love the family atmosphere. Um, my mom was the gathering place for a couple of years where, the family, you know, during holidays all came to her house. 
we had dinner, we had Thanksgiving, we had birthdays. It was always at our house because of just the location and the fact that, you know, with her kids having kids or grandkids, they want to make an effort to have her, you know, and be more family oriented. And I enjoyed those, those years where, you know, we had these huge parties and great experience, you know, being around, um, them and stuff like that. Um, but you know, as years had gone on, things really started to deteriorate because I felt like on her end, she just didn't maintain relationships. She definitely had a lot of bitter things to say about people, ungrateful things to say about people. And it wasn't encouraging or a cleansing matter. Um, she didn't really seek out new relationships or friendships with people. Things had to be very convenient. Um, where you just happen to work with one another and that's how she built a friendship. She didn't go out. She didn't, I mean, rarely would she go out to hang with friends, you know, and people would complain because of just, just miserable. She's just so miserable. And, you know, granted she has her own demons and her own things that she's dealing with, but basically that's what I would expect out of the relationship with my mom. She just wasn't really there. Um, when, you know, I was around, like it just wasn't, Mm-mm. There wasn't really like initiative. Um, she really come into my room. Really, those no, this wasn't. We didn't always sit down for dinner together. Like she ate at a different time in her room. Um, so just painting the picture of just how many instances in which I was kind of left out um, of a dynamic, and in turn, I have been really instrumental in creating more of a dynamic with my siblings, with my partnerships, with any sense of community that I have because of just how valuable it is to be belong to something, to to be affiliated, to be, you know, a missing link to an energy, a experience. Now, granted, I do like my time alone as well too. I do like to detach. I do like to be within myself, to gather myself, um, to just do things my way so I can be in control. (laughs) Um, but I do also enjoy having, you know, a sense of like, you know, there are people who are waiting on me, who are looking forward to seeing me, you know, relationships that I have to maintain, that I have to participate in, I have to show up for. There's definitely, you know, things like that, that matter to me and that I take a great deal of pride in knowing that I'll be damned if I'm not a good person. I'll be damned if I'm not putting my best foot forward, you know, so you can't ever come to me and kind of make me seem like, oh, Sam didn't try her best. She just didn't care. No. And that's not in an egotistical way. That's just my core being because I know what it is to feel neglected and I know what it is to feel abandoned. You know, I think it's so important to celebrate others and what they have going on now. Do I do it for myself? Mm, Working on it. I definitely have been doing a lot more, you know, a lot more things that, um, you know, are less about sacrifice, but more about just engulfing myself in life and what it, it has given me so far. And I'm so proud of myself for just, you know, taking that initiative to do those things. Um, but you know, I have to say that, you know, in this abandonment journey and just understanding the times that I was abandoned, how it felt, what it meant for me, all of those sort of things. Um, it definitely, definitely has been a hell of a journey because of the fact that these things happen 
when you least expect it. You know, that's why I say it's so important for people to explore their unknowns and explore the motives behind why they do the things that they do, not just because of who they are right now, but who they were growing up and why there were, you know, things that didn't necessarily make sense because you could be on the phone with your trigger and not even know it. And they trigger you and you're like, hold on, now I'm the kid again. And I worked so hard not to be the kid. And because they handled this situation and I viewed it or I handled it or it reverted me into what it was like to be a kid, I'm just so like taken back. Like it almost feels like all the hard work that I put into myself has gone nowhere. It's like, what was the point? But I will say there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of progress that you've definitely made because to be able to acknowledge that and see that in that moment is powerful and enable, you know, being able to, you know, recount that situation and not necessarily like get super emotional is very important to being able to dissect that moment and to understand that it was an isolated experience is important to being able to tie it to, you know, your upbringing um, is very important as well too. So there's a lot of power in making those moves. There's a lot of power in taking that, that walk, that very lonely walk, um, down memory lane to be able to unearth things that were out of your control. The reality is my childhood was out of my control because the idea was that, you know, it was given up to her. It was given up to her and him to, to raise me and to design a world in which I could thrive or I would feel safe and nurtured and loved and cared about. And in their minds, I mean, I don't think my dad's mind. I think my mom some from time to time too. Um, they feel like, yeah, they, they didn't necessarily meet those expectations and how they wanted to, because they weren't able to completely design everything in the way that they would like to. Um, but you know, that's something that I have to understand now that I'm on my own journey and have my own life and my own um, goals and things like that. But I also find it so important, especially before I produce my own kids, um, that I'm responsible for that unpacking and I'm responsible for that, that journey to heal, that journey to be at peace, that journey to not be triggered again, that journey to be engulfed in such a better place in life. Um, because I deserve that. I deserve that in so many different ways. Like I have to do the work, um, to be in a better place. And that may seem like, oh my goodness, why can't you just go towards them and just tell them like, what the hell? (laughs) This is the thing with confronting your, um, your, I don't know what you want to call them, but the people who, who, you know, basically abandon you. Um, they may not always understand it. They may not give you the closure that you're in search of. They may not, um, completely agree with you there. You can take your chances. You're more than welcome. I think you're more than welcome to just, even just, just, you know, um, explore that conversation. I'm not opposed to it. Cause again, I've had, you know, sections or subsections or iterations of this conversation with, especially with my dad, um, with my mom, you know, being that she was physically there, I think a lot of the credit and a lot of the, um, overall, like, you know, um, responsibility definitely lent, was on her. She never complained about watching us. We weren't necessarily a burden to her 
So that was also a good, a good sign. <laughs> that was also a good thing. Um, but you know, there were actions that fell short of what it felt to be loved and what it meant to be loved, you know, being affectionate, um, just touch, um, you know, just overall, just seeing me for who I was. And during a lot of turmoil or when we were going through a lot of turmoil, especially, you know, when I talked about suicide and my, um, my middle school years, that was such a, a vulnerable state for me to be in every single day. I remember writing songs. I remember just trying to find outlets for me to be able to just survive through it all because I just felt like it was so commercial. It's like, it was like, my mom and my dad were going through it. Um, it was uncomfortable. It was just not an environment you wanted to be in. It wasn't physical, but it was verbally, like very verbally abusive. Um, and that's something that I currently have to navigate and bite my tongue and find better words and find different ways to navigate things, to be more effective, to be more honest, to be more truthful with my words and not egotistical with my words because those those words don't necessarily give people the insight that they need to be able to be better connected with you. And so you have to be able to tap into the honesty and the truthness behind it, not necessarily just the hurt behind it. Because that's where that anger, you know, what the anger is for. It's being used to navigate a ship very aggressively, um, which no one is like, yeah, sure, I open my port to have this ship who's willing to wreck all over the place. Um you just have to find that medium where you can effectively say what you have to say and then be able to release the energy that you still have. I think that's important too. Like when you're dealing with unwanted feelings, energy, et cetera, et cetera, you have to find find an outlet in which that is positive, that is um, reliable, that is effective, that you can release, you know, these just ill feelings. You deserve that. Everyone deserves that to be able to release those ill feelings and find solace in, you know, an uncertain world. It's so, it's like, it has to happen. Like there's no way without, I think that's, that's the big, that's like an artery. Like you're blocking arteries here. Like there's no flow. There's no flow here. You're kind of just suffocating yourself. You really are just tying, you know, these, these, these roadmaps. Um, but overall, I definitely want to say that it is, it is really hard to do, but with time, patience, love, understanding, grace, you can be in such a better place. And so I just wish all you well. And thank you guys for listening to another episode and everything in me. And I look forward to talking to you guys soon.